I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and almost always hungry. <laughs> Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and my coffee intake has gone way, way up. Oh, really? Tell me about that. No, it's very bad. <laughs> it's very bad. How much is normal? How much do you think is a normal amount of coffee to drink per day? One cup. Uh-oh. <laughs> We don't like the use of normal. We don't like the use okay. of normal average. on this podcast. Average. Okay, average. I think also maybe time of day matters. So Got it. maybe like one to two before 12 p.m. Okay, well, it's almost at the cutoff. I'm 11. I'm at 1140. I'm at three. And I think I could sneak another one. I eat lunch at like 230. Mm-hmm. Like it keeps me from eating like all morning, which is so bad. And then I am just like on a caffeine okay did i tell you this i <laughs> this you're I, like proving your point you're like and then i did this and then I did this. <laughs> yeah I, I this is how addicted i am i dosed me and mal by accident because do you I, mean i dosed us with I, what i'll tell you i'm scared it's not that it's not that intense i went into the coffee cabinet and i found oh this is a new one we haven't opened amazing i open it i make it we drink it all day then mal, mal and i are both sick Like by like 4 p.m. we are sick. We have headaches. We feel (gasps) awful. We're like, what's going on? Like we were we have COVID like we're sick. All of a sudden, Mal is going through the coffee cabinet and goes, this is open now. Did you use this one for the coffee this morning? I was like, yeah, why? It's decaf. Oh, but the use of the term dost, I would say, (laughs) is incorrect. Right. But it makes it more dramatic. You didn't dose. I opposite. You opposite dose us. us. Yeah. (laughs) It's the first time I haven't had coffee in a day in years. And we were legitimately ill. That's bad. Yeah. I mean, caffeine addiction is in the DSM. Really? Mm -hmm. Caffeine and nicotine addiction are in the DSM. Why is it? It's so um, normalized. That we just like (laughs) dose ourselves every day. But I think of it, I don't think of it like as, oh, I need this. But then when I didn't have it, both Mal and I were like nauseous, headache, Uh like falling asleep. I'm on drugs every day. It's interesting, right? Because so I guess, again, it's all about balance. So if you have like a cup in the morning, because it's also like kind of unproven, like, is it bad for you? Is it not? You know, so again, Mm -hmm. it's sort of like, what is your relationship to it? And I feel Mm -hmm. like because you have anxiety... In the past, you have sort of talked about how you've been trying to to go down on your caffeine intake because it does kind of amp up your anxiety and maybe mm-hmm. make it harder for you to sleep. What have you worked on on not going to nothing, but maybe rolling back to two a day? How does that feel with the time cut off? So maybe not post like 1 p.m. or something like that. We just have so few pleasures in life. <laughs> and what could of you my- have decaf in the afternoon if you just like the taste? I know I would know the difference. That's like drinking non-alcoholic beer. It's like, I don't know. I guess non-alcoholic beer really helped my dad when he was getting sober. But I don't know. I feel that I need it. And I also just like it. We got a fancy coffee in the mail from Mal's like subscription coffee thing. And Mal brought it to me and I smelled it. And it smelled like nostalgia. Like it smelled like my home when I was a child. It smelled like smoky campfire, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think it was from Honduras. 
And I was immediately transported back to being a kid. And I was like, I'm in love with this. Now I like need this not just for to live, but also for like psychological reasons. Like (laughs) it smelled like the campfire that would be outside the tent when like my dad would take me camping. Like it was that emotional for me. Yeah. So I'm I'm in trouble. (laughs) I think we all go through phases and maybe right now you're in a phase where it's a lot. But maybe once we're more returning to life where you go places and you're not just in your house as much, maybe you'll find yourself not relying on it as often. And who knows? You don't drink coffee. Well, I'm not supposed to be on caffeine because of my acid reflux. So I kind of go through I go through phases. I was like really good when I was in New York. But now, like today, I made myself some tea and I've had like half of a cup of black tea. So like that has some caffeine. But that's not as bad for you, right? I mean, it's hard. So my whole thing is like with my acid reflux, right? Like basically, Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to eat anything. (laughs) But like I do. (laughs) What are you allowed to eat? Like uh, like one pad of butter? Like that's it? I'm allowed to have like a sandwich over the course of five hours. (laughs) No, really? Yeah, the doctor. Wait, is that true? So it'll be like, okay, you can have a sandwich. So like, let's say you could have like, I could have like a turkey sandwich with a slice of cheese and bread. And then it would be like, you could have half the sandwich and then two hours later have the other half of the sandwich. You're allowed to only eat the the lunch provided to Firefest. And that's it. But also it's about, it's also like half the lunch provided to Firefest. (laughs) And then the other half, two (laughs) hours later. But I obviously don't do that. My fucking gastroenterologist was like, yeah, I couldn't do it. You know, like the the doctor was like, nah. Like, so on acid reflux, you're not supposed to have caffeine, citrus, tomato, (laughs) soy. (laughs) I don't think you're supposed to have chocolate. I don't think you're supposed to have broccoli. Uh, you're not supposed to have, I mean, like anything, you, you know, so what is left? Yeah. The sandwich um, from Firefest. No, yeah. that has tomato on it. Yeah, you can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my for God. me, I really, it is very stress related. Yeah. So, and it's also very flare up related. So like, I kind of, as you will see later on in this episode, like I have to really check in with myself and when things get bad then I have to start removing more stuff from my diet. But when I'm doing better, then I cheat more. Mal got one of those tests, those allergy tests uh, to see what they are allergic to because they always thought they were lactose intolerant. And then it turned out they were allergic to eggs. But here's the thing. Eggs is in everything. Yeah. What doesn't have egg? A blueberry? (laughs) I was like telling my sister that I, you know, my stomach had been bad and she was like trying to see if it was like I should eliminate stuff. And I was like, but there are times where I'm fine which is why I know that it's like so tied to stress because Mm -hmm. I've eaten everything and been fine. And then I've eaten something and been not fine. So it really is for me, I think really stress related. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been a little stressed. (laughs) Anyway, this is just between us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) A variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games and brutal honesty. This week, we're actually going to be joined by Megan McNamara to ask her some tough questions about fertility, birth control, menstruation, and just cervical mucus is a word that comes up. (laughs) But it is all about being in touch with your own body. So pretty fitting. I don't know that I am. But you know, it's interesting. Mal's therapist said that once a day, you should check in and be like, how am I feeling in my body? Mm -hmm. Am I thirsty? Am I hungry? 
I'm always hungry. What's happening? I'm very hungry. You are always hungry. That is true. And that's another issue. But you like snacks. Well, I have to be better about eating frequently because then that really causes my acid reflux because I get sick if I don't eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you have like snacks all the time. You got little snacks around you. Bowls. Yeah. Bowls of things. You haven't seen me in over a year. You don't know. I know, but you don't know what I have around me. (laughs) <laughs> you used to provide bowls of snacks at your home, though. <laughs> I had some snacks, yeah. There's people that I'm friends with that you go over there and they, like, won't offer you anything. And then there's people that I'm friends with who, like, you and Alexis Zoll will just be like, would you like this bowl of things? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, kind of. Sometimes it takes me too long to offer people water. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I'm working on. Anyway, we've got a great episode for you guys. Stick around after the break. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, we have Megan McNamara, who is a certified fertility awareness educator, co-host of the Body Literacy Babes podcast and co-creator of the Cervical Mucus Project. She teaches people how to master fertility awareness for natural, highly effective birth control and health charting. Hello, Megan. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me this week. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we we haven't tackled fertility at all on this podcast. And I feel like it is such a big topic. It is an emotional topic. There's just kind of like a, a lot to cover. So where do you suggest that we start? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> There's so much. The topic of fertility awareness is kind of like an umbrella term. Mm-hmm. And it includes a lot of different methods. Within the umbrella of fertility awareness, you have like the symptothermal method, you have cervical mucus only methods, and there's different creators of different ones and stuff. So I generally like to refer to it as just FAM, fertility awareness method. I teach a symptothermal method. Can we just take a step back? So yeah, you're please. saying, of course, <laughs> of course. So when you're saying fertility <laughs> awareness, you're saying for a, a, a womb bearing person to know yeah. when they're fertile. Exactly. Versus just people understanding fertility in general. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Fertility awareness is kind of like, it allows you to be in the driver's seat of like your own cycle, basically. Got it. Because, and I think this is key to understanding like why we even like pay attention to any of this is because you only are actually capable of like becoming pregnant for a very small window of time over Mm -hmm. the course of the whole cycle. And of course, like, I'm sure everyone has seen that clip from like Mean Girls where they're in the health class with the gym teacher and he's like, don't have sex. You will get pregnant and die. And it's terrifying. And so many of us like grew up on that scene. It's almost like a meme at this point, of course. But a lot of people think that and they were taught that. And I just think it's really time to like debunk that nonsense Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that people aren't afraid of their cycle. They understand what's happening. There's kind of two parts to this, right? You do work on terms of natural birth control and then also how to maximize your cycles that you can get pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, So my work, I really focus on the birth control and the health charting component. And then lots of educators, they also focus on the area of like, helping people to get pregnant, um, those who often are struggling with with subfertility um, or infertility, and they may have hormone imbalances or something, and 
there's just a really um, restorative way to to go about that approach mm-hmm. when it comes to conception and conception planning and getting pregnant. Um, and like you said before, it's such an emotional, like, big mm-hmm. deal for people. And so having guidance along that way can be really incredible to get pregnant. But yeah, it's like equally a huge deal for people who don't want to get pregnant. I have lots of clients and there's lots of people out there who never, ever want to have children and they can totally rely on this method for years to come. It's just a matter of like learning how to do it. And the good news is like, it's truly not rocket science. It's pretty easy to learn. I think a lot of the learning is just like unlearning all of these like myths and pressures and societal like preconceived notions that are constantly pushed on us. Mm -hmm. So, so much of it is just like unlearning that and then just getting to know like the actual cycle and just like the basic science of how that works. And once you do that, it's really easy. (laughs) What are the misconceptions that you're talking about? One of the biggest ones is that a lot of people, even including like doctors, think that fertility awareness is equal to the rhythm method. And this kind of goes on the assumption that like anytime you're not taking birth control, you're being like irresponsible or something. And what is the rhythm method? This is the method that most people's like grandmothers may have practiced back in the day, years, decades ago. It's basically like you're trying to predict when you're going to ovulate next and when you're going to be fertile next and and be able to get pregnant. And so therefore, you can then avoid that time if you don't want to get pregnant um, or have sex at that time to get pregnant. Now, that like general underlying theme is similar across both these methods. But with the rhythm method, you're literally just like guessing basically (laughs) based on past cycle data and so it's like saying like, okay, like I, I tend to have like 28 day cycles. So like, I'm just going to have those from now on. And the fact of the matter is like, that's not actually how like our bodies work, right? Like, and I'm, I'm sure people have experienced this, especially during the pandemic. Back when the pan- pandemic first started last year, I was seeing so many people all of a sudden like, oh my God, where is my period? Why mm. am I having such intense cramps right now? what is going on? Why am I just like randomly spotting what's happening? Mm -hmm. And it's because the intense stress Mm -hmm. on every level of our lives in the pandemic, it impacts you. And that can cause your body to say, hey, like, you know what? I'm not ready to get pregnant right now. So I'm just not even going to ovulate. And when that happens, that can lead to having a very, very, very long cycle or having, you know, what we call breakthrough bleeding, which is that abnormal spotting or again and it because of all that stress like you can have you know worse cramps and it can exacerbate things like endometriosis and things like that so it's so multi-layered and so mm-hmm. like getting back to the rhythm method versus fam thing like this is the problem with the rhythm method right is that it can't account for a pandemic it can't account for a job loss mm-hmm. a death of a loved one these big stressors that can happen it can really impact our cycles But with FAM, we're not just predicting stuff. We're actually doing real-time daily observations of our actual body's biomarkers. We're putting that onto a literal chart. And you're able to use like the developed rules of these methods that have been developed over decades of fertility science to identify with precision this time, not just Mm -hmm. guessing and not just general predictions, but with precision, when exactly 
you're fertile. And when exactly in the cycle, you're infertile and you can't get pregnant. And so this really empowers people to be able to like take their fertility and their cycles into their own hands. They get to decide what type of sex they have, when they have it, you know, how they're communicating that with their partner or their partners. And it's really empowering. They they no longer need to, you know, rely on a on a prescription. And for so many people, that can be like a big relief, especially if they've had, you know, you know, years of side effects from different types of birth control. So it's a it's a really big paradigm shift for people. Mm-hmm. It's so much more than getting pregnant or not getting pregnant. It becomes this this deep understanding of your body. And I just, that's why I'm so passionate about it because it's this very unique thing. And once you learn about it, it's like, okay, I can't, I can't ever go back to that like gym teacher meme from Mean Girls. <laughs> like it doesn't, that's not true anymore. Like I know that now and it really arms you with this confidence so that like, again, you're not in fear of your own body and your own fertility. Like no one wants to live like that, you know? <laughs> Definitely. And and so to me, hearing you talk about this, I'm like, okay, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> like what, what does it actually look like if I were to decide to do this? Like what day to day, what am I tracking? I literally timed myself the other day of how much time it takes me like in a day to do mm-hmm. all the things to chart. And it takes about five to 10 minutes total per day. Oh, that's it? You, to break it down, once, and I'll, I will uh, qualify this because I don't want to <laughs> give any people any illusions, but once you've learned the method, yeah. Right. So once you've learned it, and I always, always recommend that people, um, if they're able to, learn it with an educator who's certified, mm. um, because that is the way that we get this really high efficacy of over 99% effective, is through the the teaching with an educator. So you can be sure that you are getting all the information, you're getting it in a way that is step by step, bite by bite, you're not feeling overwhelmed, and you have support if and when any questions come up along the way. And then once you have done that, I recommend for a minimum of like three full ovulatory cycles, which is like ovulation and menstruation. Once you've done that, by that time, you're, you're looking at like five to 10 minutes a day. Literally what I do is I wake up, I take my temperature with a, it's called a basal thermometer. It's a very sensitive thermometer that's more sensitive than a fever one um, so that you're able to detect these very um, subtle differences in your day-to-day temperature of your body because that's one um, fertility sign. After we ovulate, your temperature literally goes up and it stays up till the end of the cycle. Looking at a chart, it's like, okay, this is before ovulation, this is after ovulation, and it's very you know, distinct and you can tell. So again, the temperature thing, that's like three minutes. And then basically every time I go to the bathroom, I just use some toilet paper and I wipe at the vulva in a certain way and I'm observing my cervical mucus. And that cervical mucus tells us when our our fertile window starts for the cycle. So when we can get pregnant in the cycle, and then it also helps us to close the fertile window and close off and say, okay, you know, I know now that I'm no longer fertile for this cycle and I can, you know, continue to have fully unprotected sex without risk of pregnancy. So can we talk a little bit about cervical mucus? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So cervical mucus, people probably, you know, they've seen it on their underwear or maybe like literally dripping off of their vulvas, um, you know, as they're going to the bathroom or something. And it basically can range in how it looks. Um, if people want to visualize it, 
uh, they can try to head to cervicalmucus.org. We literally have like, it's just a library of different people's actual cervical mucus from all <laughs> over the world. So like you can see it there, but it basically can look like ranging from crystal clear, very stretchy, thin, um, like a hydrogel, like a fluid. You can mm-hmm. literally stretch it between your fingertips. So sometimes it looks like that. Sometimes it looks like that with some like white streaks in it. Sometimes it looks more um, almost like hand lotion, where if you stretch it between your fingertips, it'll like peak a little bit. Um, It might look white. Basically, as long as you're not seeing like gray or green discharge, um, that might be more a sign of like an infection. Um, But with cervical mucus, it's ranging from like a white to a clear or a different combination of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people learn different methods, they can learn how to really quickly and easily just tell what type they're having that day. And it really just becomes a matter of like looking at the sample, you ask yourself a few questions, and then you just put that on your chart for the day and then you're good to go. So do you have that always and it's the type that is changing or do you only have it during the time when you are fertile? When you're fertile, you have um, the kind that's estrogenic. So we call it e-mucus or estrogenic cervical mucus. And the names for the cervical mucus, that, that can often change depending on what method you're talking about. Sometimes it's called peak cervical mucus or non-peak. Um, in the method that I teach, it's called, um, again, e-mucus, E-L or E-S, um, depending on what type it is. And yeah, it changes. So like people might start off um, in their cycle with, menstruation um, and their bleeding observations. And then um, most of the time they go to a period of dryness for like a few days where you might be wiping and you might see like literally nothing on the toilet paper, like it's bone dry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you might feel that way too sometimes. (laughs) Um, And then sometimes as you kind of head into more of the estrogenic phase or the ovulatory phase as you call it, um, that's when you get the e-mucus. You start to feel a different sensation. It doesn't feel bone dry anymore. It feels kind of smooth or kind of slippery when you're wiping it. I'm a big believer that anyone can learn how to do this. It just takes a bit of time to practice. Like, imagine if, like, no one ever taught you how to brush your teeth. And then they mm-hmm. handed you this, like, random stick with, like, brush a brush head on it. And you're like, what? I'm supposed to brush my teeth? <laughs> like, it can seem kind of foreign, but once you practice it a little bit for a few weeks... Really quickly, it becomes like second nature and you're just noticing little changes in the body that become cyclical, you know, as you do it more. Um, And then over time, it becomes really easy. I have to say, I mean, I obviously get this stuff and I and I have it sometimes and I don't have it other times. And sometimes I have it a lot and sometimes I have it a little. And I've never been like, why? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've like never thought about like why is my you know I'm just like up oh, I've got it today like I've mm-hmm. never thought like oh it's clearly tied to my cycle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say for health charting, like what other benefits are there in terms of being aware of this kind of thing? Oh, I absolutely love this question because like there are so many benefits for health charting. So yeah, like even if you want to chart and you don't even care about getting pregnant or like whatever, (laughs) or or Mm -hmm. like you don't have a sexual partner, maybe, or Mm -hmm. or you don't want to have that type of sex or whatever the case may be, people can totally chart just for health. And number one, I think one of the biggest like benefits of it, that's just like cool is you can predict almost down to the day 
when you're actually going to get menstruation. So I'm not talking about like, oh, go look at your calendar and kind of guess when you might get it. Oh, but then it's delayed. Sorry. With FAM, we can actually predict with very high accuracy when you're going to get it. And like, usually the day that people get menstruation, their temperature will drop down drastically. And so that'll kind of tell them like, oh, okay, I should put on my period underwear today or Mm -hmm. I should put on my, my pad today so that I can avoid getting a stain. And it can be great just for that, but also for people who might have something like endometriosis where they may experience different levels of chronic pain throughout the cycle in different areas of the body, but especially for people during their bleeds, that's when it can get really intense. And so knowing exactly when you're going to get menstruation can empower people to say, hey, maybe I shouldn't schedule that important meeting for that for day one of my cycle. Or maybe, (laughs) you know, I should, I should, you know, go traveling next weekend instead. Or, you know, maybe I should do some meal prepping beforehand so that I have a nice like soup that I can eat, you know, on day one and just kind of hang out and chill instead of like running around and cooking everything and doing the meetings, blah, blah, blah. And like, just for a lot of people, having the freedom to do that on like the first day or two of their cycle is like, totally like a life-changing thing because they might go from like living in terror, you know, expecting menstruation um, to then feeling really empowered and knowing, okay, here's when I can expect it. And also here's a bunch of tools and resources I can bring in so that like, even when I have my period, it's actually not as painful and I'm actually able to manage this a lot better. And that can really help with symptoms of also like anxiety, depression that might go along with that. Because, you know, endo is a really difficult um, condition for people. And like, I don't want to paint at all. um, And I don't want to perpetuate like the stereotype that everyone's menstruation is always painful because that's just not the case. But I do want to like highlight endometriosis because I think it's not talked about enough. um, And sometimes people don't know about it. um, And it can be really impactful for people. But to get back to just like everyday stuff, you know, for people without endo, no matter what the case may be, knowing when you're going to bleed is so useful in so many ways. A couple other like really huge benefits for people with, you know, just with normal natural ovulatory cycles, you can identify, am I even ovulating? Like, yes or no, because you can actually have regular bleeds, but they're not actually a true period. It's basically like, you know, your uterine lining of your uterus, it's kind of building up, building up, building up. But then ovulation doesn't happen. And eventually it's like, okay, I'm just going to go. Bye. And then you get the bleed. <laughs> this is something that a typical like period tracking app cannot catch. Mm. Um, because again, they're based on predictions as opposed to like the actual evidence of the biomarkers that we're looking at of fertility. So just identifying like, am I actually ovulating or not is critical because for people who ovulate, having regular ovulation throughout the course of a few decades, like during like your reproductive life, not to boil it down again to just having children or not, but like <laughs> during that that window when you're ovulating, regular healthy ovulation is so critical to brain health, breast health, bone development. It's a really big preventative for something like osteoporosis later in mm-hmm. life. And these are just like three things I can think of, of off the top of my head, but there's so many hosts of benefits for regular healthy ovulation. Health tracking, it really just gives you like a super clear picture of what's happening in your cycle. And you can then take that chart if you want 
bring it to your doctor and say like, hey, I'm not ovulating. <laughs> What's going on here? Like, <laughs> right. do I have PCOS? Do I have hypothalamic amenorrhea? Like mm-hmm. what's happening here? Why am I not ovulating? And how can I help my body to do that and support right. my body? And chances are, once you get back to regular ovulation, you're also going to see improvements in things like period pain in acne in just overall feelings of well-being and reduced anxiety, you know, lower PMS symptoms and things like that. So there's just a lot of, of benefits. And like, most importantly, for people where we're charting for health is this element of body literacy, being able to read these signs and symptoms of your body. Just like if you were to start to feel a cold, you might get, get that scratchy sensation in your throat or like, it's hard to swallow or something. Mm-hmm. And when you notice that, you say to yourself, oh, okay, I might be having a cold. Let me drink some extra water. Let me maybe go to sleep tonight an hour earlier or something. It's the same thing with our cycles. You may notice like, oh, you know, this cycle, I had a little bit more of a period cramp on day one. Let me, you know, I don't know, look into some solutions for that. And by the time you get to your next cycle, it can be like drastically reduced depending mm. what what changes you implement. So it's a it's a long answer because like there's so many different benefits and depending on the person and what their needs are, it can be just really widespread across their lifetime. No, and I think that's great. And and you've sort of alluded to this, but you know, one of the reasons I went on birth control, you know, even before I was sexually active was because I was having these like two week long periods and and so many people go on birth control, you know, not for as a birth control, but more because of the, how uh, intense their periods are. And so my question is sort of like, what are those things that you can do that will alleviate the pain and maybe alleviate, like make the periods and the menstruation less intense without having, you know, introducing like drugs and prescriptions? So one thing I'll say off the bat is like for, especially when we're in our teen years, it's actually within, it can be within the realm of normal sometimes. And of course, like, you know, anyone going through that, like you did, they can absolutely check in with their doctor to, to see, you know, is this normal? But sometimes in those early years, things like irregular bleeding or irregular cycles can actually be normal because it can take the brain for teens up to two years to finally make that link between the brain and the ovaries. Mm. And what's actually in control of your cycle, it's not technically your ovaries. It's actually your brain that kicks off the chain reaction that then leads to the whole cycle. And so just depending on where that that teen is, it could be normal and, you know, supporting them with stuff like nutrition for the cycle. And also like there's a couple of micronutrients like magnesium glycinate is a really popular one because most people are deficient in that. And magnesium is an excellent very gentle muscle relaxant. And so it can help to really calm down um, those cramps and those spasms in the uterus. And it can really make a huge difference with, of course, any supplement people can check in with their doctor and make sure that like it, that's okay for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, magnesium glycinate or even drinking raspberry leaf tea that has magnesium in it naturally. And that's not like a supplement. It's just like a tea or a food. Drinking that throughout the cycle I've seen that in my clients, like it drastically reduces their symptoms, um, especially with cramps. I'd say just to kind of give some resources for people who might be listening, consider checking out these couple books because these doctors are really like the biggest experts in this type of treatment of the cycle. There's a book called Period Repair Manual by Dr. Lara Bryden, 
and another one called Beyond the Pill by Dr. Jolene Brighton. And both those books are just completely and utterly packed with this exact information to help people to help to naturally regulate symptoms. Personally, I actually like to suggest that people start out with looking at sleep first Mm. because sometimes with things like food, there's so much that can affect food. People may have disordered eating that maybe they're struggling with. And so that can kind of be tricky sometimes and they can seek that type of special support. But I feel like with sleep, a lot of tools and tips that we can apply to sleep are usually really low cost or free. Things that you can implement like tonight when you go to sleep. Number one, I think sleeping in a as dark of a room as possible is really helpful because light actually has a really big impact on our cycles. So making the room super dark with like blackout curtains or sometimes I'll put like a little teeny tiny bit, I actually have one on my laptop, (laughs) of like electrical tape just Mm. over like, you know, like a little like LED light, you know? Right. And that way, like you're not getting that light. And like, it might sound like overkill or like too simple, but really even a little amount of light can like, you know, affect the brain. So looking at sleep, uh, meditation or ASMR before sleep, maybe doing a weighted blanket. Again, magnesium can help with sleep. There's a whole laundry list of, of tips I can share, but I like that one because it sets people up for, for reduced stress. It sets them up for better hormone production. And also just like having better sleep also helps with how you digest your food and stuff like that, mm-hmm. how much energy you have to move your body and stuff like that. So I really feel like cycle health often is rooted in, in our sleep quality, which I know is a challenge for like so many people because we're constantly battling like hustle culture and people needing to work all hours of the day and stuff. So it can be tough, but uh, it can also make a really big impact when we bring in some changes. Definitely. One of the things that has come up for me because I, I am on birth control is I'm also on antidepressants and like antidepressants impact the effectiveness of birth control. And I think a lot of people don't know that. And it took like a long time for like my doctors to even sort of inform me about that. So this feels like a really great method where like, you know, because you might think like, oh, the birth control's got me covered. But like this method feels like you're more in control and you're more empowered. Yeah, well, I just wanted to, to talk about that because like sometimes depression for people can be a side effect of birth control. Um, and so, and this is especially common when people are on birth control, like long-term, like five years, 10 years, it can really come up for people sometimes. Sometimes they may experience feelings of just like, like general numbness. Um, Mm. sometimes it might be a lot more intense. Um, and so I always encourage people again, of course, like check in with yourself, um, you know, check in with your doctor or your healthcare team, um, and like make the decision that's right for you. Um, but sometimes when people come off of birth control, they realize like, okay, it was actually the birth control that was like really giving me this fog, this numbness. And of course, you know, it's not every single time, but we see in the research, there is a really strong link to mood um, and and long-term birth control use. Um, and so I just think, of course, everyone's going to make that decision for themselves. But if anyone's out there and they're kind of hearing this and they're like, I don't know, like maybe there is something there in terms of a linkage. Um, I encourage them like, yeah, listen to yourself, maybe explore that. You know, you never know. You could experience um, some relief um, coming off of it. 
and trying something else for a while. And like, if not, worst case scenario, maybe go back on later right. um, if if that's you. Because it's not yeah. it's not like you make that decision, then you can never go back on. You can right. try it, <laughs> exactly. see what feels better, go back on. That's the whole thing mm-hmm. with medications is for a exactly. lot of them. You can go on and off, on and off your whole life, sort of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than that one that's for cholesterol, where you have to go on forever. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> there's some cholesterol medicine I literally have no you said that like I would know what you were talking about <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about there yeah right <laughs> I don't know the exact one but I've I've heard that too where it's like okay this person's on it now <laughs> yeah you're on it once you're on it you're on it and you can't have grapefruit anyway <laughs> oh, yeah. I have heard that actually yeah what, what about the fear of like messing it up or like the the mm-hmm. high you know if you do have a sexual partner and you are having that kind of sex like the the you know the fear of like oh I'm not doing the most that I can to not be pregnant I feel like oftentimes it's rooted in this perception of like I need to do my charting perfectly every single day always or else it won't be as effective and I won't get correct use. The reality is there's actually lots of little rules built into these methods that account for common mistakes and common, not even mistakes, just like everyday life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so like, that's, that's great. So it's like, you actually don't need to do every single little thing perfectly forever to get the highest efficacy. And as people learn, they're able to kind of identify for themselves. Number one, like, where even am I on this like spectrum of wanting to get pregnant or not wanting to get pregnant? Some people like they innately know they've really thought about it. They do not want to get pregnant ever. Other people, they super, super want children to the point where they'll do IVF. They'll do adoption, whatever they want to do. Um, And other people are like, "Eh, if it happens, it happens, whatever. I don't care. And so there's that. And so for those who really, really want to avoid and are serious about avoiding pregnancy, which is, you know, the people I work with, it's a lot of, I think, like trusting in the, in our bodies. Um, I think again, as we're growing up, society often teaches us like, oh, you can't even know your cycle. It's so unpredictable. You know, I'm not regular. This can't work for me. And I think it's often rooted in like, again, just not knowing this information. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from people like my doctor never told me this. My mom never told me this. My health teacher never told me this. My OBGYN never told me this. It's so pervasive. And so I think there there can be that anxiety there for people. In terms of navigating like the conversation around, around sex, number one, I'll just offer to people like, if you ever, you know, were to have like a slip up or something, or like maybe like the condom breaks or something, and you're like right in your fertile window, you know, consider maybe plan B at that time. Mm-hmm. And maybe even having a pack of plan B on hand in your medicine cabinet so that you don't even have to go to the store so that, you know, if that happens, you're like, okay, well, it happened. And now I'm going to, you know, use this. And plan B can definitely have um, side effects sometimes for people. It can affect the way that their cycle goes for the next couple months. So working with an instructor, people could um, could navigate that as it goes. But again, I think having like you know, open and honest conversations with sexual partners is so, so key. I always recommend that people as they're learning actually like involve their partner in the learning process so that 
their partner also has informed choice about the birth control that, you know, they're relying on in the partnership Mm -hmm. um, or um, bringing them in and having those conversations. That way, the charting person isn't like, they don't have this stress of like, oh my God, I need to learn how to do everything perfectly. And then I need to go explain all of this to my partner and like, hopefully they'll support me. I don't know. I think that learning with their partners can be very connective and it can help everyone to just feel comfortable. They get their questions answered and stuff. Um, and they're able to communicate about stuff like that. And maybe during the fertile window, you don't even have penetrative sex. So you're not even worried about a condom breaking. Maybe you just have, you know, I call it non-PIV, so non-penis and vagina. Um, or depending on, of course, you know, um, what type of partnerships people are in, um, that can all vary. But I'm a big advocate for that because I feel like it helps to prioritize people's pleasure oftentimes, and they can explore different ways of having sex during the fertile window. And then, you know, during that, it's called the luteal phase, um, once there's, you know, uh, basically no chance of pregnancy, having PIV sex at that point in time. Um, But of course, like, I totally recognize everyone is an adult and people are going to take and assess, um, you know, what their comfort level is for them. Some people like to pair during their fertile window, they like to pair withdrawal with condoms so that it's very, very highly effective. I was going to say, yeah, is it do do a lot of people pair, use both or? Exactly. Yeah. Use it for health charting and then also have an IUD or something like that. Totally. Yeah. Some people can, um, like if they have like a non-hormonal IUD that wouldn't suppress ovulation with hormonal birth control. Um, with, I would say the exception of like the hormonal IUD, which sometimes allows for ovulation, but with most types of birth control, that's hormonal. So ovulation is not happening at all. And basically there's, there's no egg to fertilize with birth control. With FAM, people can decide like during the fertile window, maybe they choose to not have sex literally at all. That could be their choice. Maybe they choose to just have non-PIV sex. Maybe they choose to combine Uh, condoms with withdrawal or a cervical cap or a diaphragm or something. Um, There's lots of different ways that people can kind of customize it for themselves. Um, And it really just depends on their comfort level. Like uh, I've seen like tons of clients, they love condoms. They're totally fine with that. Others are like, no, I hate them. They irritate me. I don't like it. I don't want to do that. (laughs) And so they might do something else. This is, I think, the beauty of FAM is you can really customize it Mm -hmm. to the types of biomarkers you want to chart to the way you learn to chart, which instructor you're working with, the app you choose to chart with, you know, the tools you're using and stuff. And it's it's very collaborative, I think. I always say it's like learning the language of your body. You can really start to tune in and like listen to it. Um, and it's really interesting because it has a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> this was so wonderful. Um, would you like to play a game show? <laughs> Heck yes. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around after the break. We'll be playing everyone's favorite game show, Hypotheticals. to Hypotheticals. Hypotheticals is a game show where you and Gabby are my contestants. I'm going to ask you a series of hypothetical situations. You can tell me what you would do in those situations and ask any clarifying questions that you have. I will change the game on you throughout. Uh, There's no rules other than I'm in charge. (laughs) Okay. I'm ready. Okay. (laughs) So we'll start with America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Oh my gosh. Okay. 
You and your spouse of 10 years have been having a monthly double date with another couple for a few years. One night while out to dinner, you notice that your spouse and your friend are secretly holding hands and massaging fingers under the table. When you confront them about it later that night, they say they do this every double date because it is fun. What's the big deal? It's not mouths or genitals. Would you stay with this cheater? I think it would definitely warrant a conversation to start. (laughs) (laughs) To be like, so uh, what's going on? I mean, a husband, a partner of 10 years. You've been with your partner for 10 years, but you've been double dating with this other couple for like three or four years. And they've been hand fucking for that whole time. Does the does the other person's spouse know about it? No. Oh, good question. And mm-hmm. what's your relationship to the other person? Like, can you could you talk to them? Like, why are you holding my spouse's hand? Yeah, they're one of your best friends. Oh my god! But it's one of those things where it's not like it's not like they were hiding it. It's just nobody ever noticed. Okay. okay. Does this does my partner not understand that a double date doesn't mean we're also dating these people? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need to explain that. Yeah, that would be first in the conversation. <laughs> you have misunderstood the concept of a double date. They don't think that you can cheat if you're not doing things that involve your mouth or your genitals. Okay. See, that's a problem. Because I feel like that's not how it is. <laughs> yeah. You can definitely, there's different, there's different forms, I feel like, of of that. And yeah, I think it would definitely weren't a conversation. And Gabby, I loved your question. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think I would need to have the conversation and like really lay out and with both of them. I would want to talk with both Mm -hmm. of them possibly separately to see like what's happening and like what are they getting out of the hand holding? Ah, why? Like just what what's Mm. what's going on there? You sit them down. You go, I guess my first question is why? (laughs) (laughs) Why? They say it's erotically thrilling. Okay. See, see, okay. <laughs> yeah, oh that's cheating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like that is. I feel like that is. Erotically it's like they're thrilling. Getting, there's, <laughs> they're getting something out of it, even yeah. though there's technically no mouths or genitals what or something going is on. this? <laughs> they're like, we saw a hint of an elbow. It's Victorian times and we are turned on. No, I don't like it. <sighs> Would you leave? Yeah, I'm going to go. Wow. I'm going to date the other half of the couple. <laughs> and you guys still go on double dates, but this time now everyone's hands are on the table. Honestly, seems gay to me. <laughs> seems... You're just all holding hands now. Uh-huh. <laughs> now we're a polycule. <laughs> I beat your system. Yeah, I'll accept that answer. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I love it. <laughs> I feel like my answer, like, if I had to choose if I would stay or go, I guess I would, like... I guess I would go because like they did say that it was like erotically thrilling. And I feel like I feel like there needs to be a conversation first to see like what is there other needs you need fulfilled here? Is that why this is happening? <laughs> well, you never that. hold their hand. Oh, no. I do <laughs> have hand holding though in real life. So it's so sad. <laughs> I don't like to hold hands. That makes sense to me. People oh. I've dated have complained about it. <laughs> 
producer Melissa just messaged me. It's called a double date, not a group hang. All possibilities are on the table. <laughs> so remind me to never go on a double date with Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So at the end of the day, actually, your soulmate was the other person's partner. That makes sense. They're actually not interested in you. Oh, no, but they're my soulmate. <laughs> yeah, but you're not theirs. It's very confusing. Wow. Oh, no. Wow. What a rough go for me. Okay, our next game. Is this a date? Okay. Your coworker has been talking about their home renovations for the last six months nonstop. One day they come into work and are thrilled to announce their house is officially done. You are genuinely excited for them and say, I bet it looks amazing. They then ask if you would like to come see the house in person because the photos don't do the imported tile work justice. Is this Ooh, a date? Imported. Um, how long have you been working with this coworker? Three years. <laughs> have have we ever hung out with them before? Outside of work? Been, yeah. Yeah. No, never. What are we just gonna look at the tile or are they is there gonna be yeah. a charcuterie board? Is there going to be a wa- some wine? They're like, why don't you come over after work on Friday? We can have some drinks and I can show you the new house. Okay, Friday's date night. Yeah, I feel like that's a date. Friday's like a date night. Friday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joke's on you. They wanted you to help them clean. <laughs> no, why wouldn't they just say that? That's like when you're like, hey, do you want to help me move? I'll buy you pizza and beer. Because you wouldn't have said you wouldn't have come over. The tile, oh my god! The tile work left a lot of dust. The, what? So why would it? So they tricked me with the like possibility of a romantic connection. Yeah, and you are also a tile aficionado. You love to see it. Oh my god! <laughs> and they, but uh, why wouldn't they just tell me the truth that we're just gonna clean, and then they could say, "Hey, come over and clean, and we'll also have drinks." Why would you ever go to a coworker's <laughs> home to clean? <laughs> Especially a coworker who you've never hung out with outside. That is true. <laughs> that is true. I just wanted honesty. <laughs> That's not how this world works. I know. It's true. Yeah, I feel like if they had been honest, I would have been like, oh, they're like, oh my God, I just got this really nice broom. Do you want to try it out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It really goes well with the tiles. <laughs> you have to see how my vacuum works on the tiles. It's really smooth. Just do it a few times. Oh okay, our final game. Is this person an alien or just rude? Uh-huh. I love this. Okay. You are on a cruise, which of course offers all you can eat food. Okay. One night you're not very hungry. So you just put a couple of things on your plate. Another passenger comes up to you and starts randomly adding food to your plate without (laughs) asking. When you question what they are doing, they say, you are doing the cruise wrong, idiot. I just saved your life. Is this person an alien or just rude? Oh, my God. This is is this um, is the person my mother. It's somebody you don't know. Okay. Is it my mother Um, in disguise? In disguise? (laughs) Wow. I, I feel like they're an alien and I feel like they they research like through like a vlog <laughs> YouTube video about like, okay, like what's the perfect cruise? And the person was like, okay, like you have to do the all you can eat buffet. And so they thought like they had like that social schema that like, they like need to do this. They need to do that. Uh-huh. That's what my gut reaction is. And uh-huh. then 
Because I just feel like either that or they like just really want to make sure that I am getting like the cruise experience. But I feel like they're an alien. But are they doing this to other people? Well, nobody else is fucking up. (laughs) Everybody else has has a lot of food on their plate. You know, it's hard. Buffets are really hard for me because there's too many options. So I'll like walk around, black out, get to my table. And I have like (laughs) one piece of salad, a noodle and an olive. And I'm like, I knew you were going to say, I thought an olive too. In my head, I was like, I have one olive. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, how did, and then I come to and I'm like, why did, why did I choose this? So it's, (laughs) so honestly, this person's helping me. So I don't think they're an alien or rude. I think they just understand that like I disassociate at a buffet. (laughs) Do you want to know the answer? What? A helpful alien. Okay. (gasps) Okay. Never, never before seen on this game show. A helpful alien. Although they didn't need to call you an idiot. That was a little Oh, that was rude. (laughs) I forgot about that part. I forgot about that part. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Before we let you go, uh, we like to ask our guests to rate their experience (laughs) being on this podcast. Uh Um, You can create your own rating scale. Please be creative. Also, we welcome any feedback, either positive or negative. (laughs) (laughs) I give it like 11 out of 10, like full to the brim uh, buffet plates. Because that's how... That's how I go to a buffet is I like walk around. And I'm like, okay, first, like what meat do I want? And then I like, I literally end up with like three different plates. <laughs> okay. I'm sitting down and like, okay, I will begin. <laughs> so you're strategic, which makes sense with your job. Mm-hmm. And and I'm True. like, I don't know, one noodle. And then every, every month I forget that I've, I have a period. Every month <laughs> I go, I go, oh my God. Like it gets to be a certain time. And I go, and I go, I, I'm depressed. I, my skin is terrible. I, mm-hmm. I go, I've never been this way before. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I have to go to, to change my meds. Everything is horrible. And then it's like, this has been going on for 17 years of your life. You think you could pull it together? <laughs> you should hire her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're so not alone in that though because like it's so common like to have that where yeah. it's like oh my gosh me too I mean like sometimes I'll have that too where it's like you just feel like everything is like off mm-hmm. and then you start to bleed and you're like okay right see. Exactly. I'll be like my skin is terrible I that I have to go to the dermatologist and then the next day it's like no you don't so we can we can assume you had a a nice time i did i really love this thank you so much you guys where can people find out more so i think i'm most uh, most active on instagram it's at famtastic fertility and that's f-a-m-tastic like fertility awareness method i also have a youtube channel and a website is currently in the works, but it's not completed yet. But eventually it will be fantasticfertility.com. So people can find me there. And feel free to like, people can message me on Instagram, like an open book over there. Amazing. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you to Megan McNamara for being our guest. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa DeMonts. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam or youtube.com slash show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also, 
please leave Apple reviews. If you go to Apple and you listen on Apple, please leave a review, a five-star review. Please, um, you don't have to write that much, but reviews really, really help. And if you love us, you will please, please do it. We sometimes read them on the show, uh, but we love them and we need more. And please, 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 please. Forever. Yeah.